Now, I don't know about you all, but um, I think sometimes we, uh, we get the idea that Paul and the apostles and all these characters from uh, Scripture, uh, we get the idea that they are all um, some kind of superheroes, that they never experience any kind of frustration or anger or um, discouragement or anything like that. Um, and, and we think, you know, when they come up against trouble, they, they just plow right on through, no problems, they're never discouraged or anything like that. Well, I am pretty sure that as we read this passage from Acts 18, uh, that in fact, Paul was indeed discouraged and frustrated when he arrived in Corinth in about A.D. 50 or 52, somewhere in there. Um, and, and I believe that in part because if you read 1 Corinthians chapter 2, the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, he says when he came to them, um, he was kind of dejected. He says it right there in his letter. And, and who could blame him? Remember how he got to Corinth. Do you remember the story of how he got to Corinth? Remember uh, that he had been in Jerusalem. He went back to Antioch. He decided that he was going to go back to the churches in Galatia. And he was going to go back through these communities that he had already started, share the good news with them uh, that they uh, just needed to turn from their idols and turn toward God. And he wanted to strengthen them and encourage them and grow these churches in Galatia. But as he started going around Galatia and he wanted to go to other places, he found himself hindered. In fact, at one point he says that he was hindered by the Holy Spirit. And he ends up um, in the northwest part of Europe, and he has this vision, this call that says, come on over to Macedonia. And I'm sure at that point he was like, oh, finally I've got a, a clear idea of what to do. And so off to Macedonia he goes. And initially, if we remember, he has much success in Philippi, right? He, he goes and he does this ministry outside the synagogue at the creek and in the streets and, and even in prison. Uh, but soon when he's in Philippi, he comes up against some opposition, and he is beaten and thrown in prison. And in essence, he's run out of Philippi, and so he's off to Thessalonica, and he goes to Thessalonica, and we begin to see this cycle that we see over and over again. He goes there, he goes into the synagogue, he, he talks to the people of God who should be the people who celebrate the fact that the Messiah has come uh, in the synagogue and the Jewish folks, and yet they reject him and they oppose him and they, they raise up uh, civil leaders who oppose Paul and he is threatened and, and those who are his friends are beaten and again he's out of town to Berea. And down in Berea, the same thing happens. And so over and over again, off he goes to Athens. Now he gets to Athens, and in Athens, instead of experiencing this rejection like he experienced in Thessalonica and in Berea, he, he, he walks through Athens and he sees all these different idols and he, he goes and he pours out his heart to tell them that he knows this unknown God to which they uh, worship. And in essence, the people in Athens kind of go, eh, who cares? You know, like maybe a handful of folks say, oh, we're excited about this. I mean, they're, they're just kind of like, yeah, another God. And um, so he doesn't even, he had gone to Athens to wait for uh, Timothy and Silas. He doesn't even wait for them. He makes a 50-mile journey to Corinth. 
And so he, he arrives in Corinth, I'm sure discouraged and frustrated because it seems like here he had been called to Macedonia. He was sharing the good news that Jesus the Messiah has come, that the kingdom of God has come near. And everywhere he goes, he experienced rejection or just total apathy like who cares? You get the picture of how Paul must have felt when he arrived in Corinth. And so we're going to pick up the story in chapter 18 today, and we're going to read these first five verses. After Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, there he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontius. He had recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla, because Claudius had ordered all Jews to leave Rome. Paul visited with them because they practiced the same trade, and he stayed and he worked with them. They all worked with leather. Every Sabbath he interacted with the people in the synagogue, trying to convince both Jews and Greeks. Once Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul devoted himself fully to the word of God testifying to Jesus that Jesus was the Christ, that Jesus was the Messiah. You get a sense that maybe Paul is like, takes a deep breath and says, maybe things are going to go well finally. He gets to Corinth, he encounters these two new friends who have the same passions that he has. Uh, they, they make tents. Uh, they're Jewish, and apparently they have come to believe that Jesus is Messiah, or through their interaction with Paul, they come to believe that Jesus is the Messiah. They go with him into the synagogue each and every week, sharing this message and trying and, and hoping to lead other people to understand uh, this new thing that God has done and is doing. And then along come uh, Silas and Timothy from Thessalonica, most likely, if you read uh, the letter to uh, the Thessalonians. In chapter 3, we're told that Silas and um, Timothy arrive and give Paul this good news that despite the fact he had to leave Thessalonica on short notice because of the persecution there, that the church is doing well, that the community is doing well, that they are thriving, and in fact, they have sent Paul some support. And so now Paul has these two new friends and these two old friends and a little bit of support, and he feels like, okay, now I can dedicate a full time to sharing the good news in the synagogue. Jesus is the Messiah. Jesus is the Christ. The kingdom of God has come new, God, near. God is doing this new thing. I can spend my time sharing that and more and more of my fellow Jewish folks will begin to believe and accept this. Hmm. It doesn't quite go that way, does it? In fact, if we continue the story in verse 6, here's what we read. So Paul, uh, Paul devoted himself fully to the word, testifying to Jesus that Jesus was Christ. He was doing this in the synagogues. Uh, when they opposed and slandered him, he shook the dust from his clothes in protest and said, you are responsible for your own fate. I'm innocent. From now on, I'm going to the Gentiles. And he left the synagogue and went next door to the home of Titus Justus, a Gentile God worshiper. 
Now, I want to suggest that, that Paul, in shaking the dust off his feet, I, I don't think he was thinking of Jesus' message to his disciples when he told them if they weren't received well, they should just shake the dust off their feet and go to the next place. I think Paul was mad. I think he was frustrated and discouraged because here he was pouring out his heart and it seemed that no matter, uh, no matter what he did or how he dedicated himself, uh, the, the, these, uh, the synagogue people, they were his own people. Descendants of Abraham, Jacob, and um, Isaac. Descendants uh, that were um, of his ancestry and people that he wanted so dearly to see that Jesus was the Messiah. And it seemed like the more that he challenged their deep-rooted beliefs, the more he tried to show them how they had misunderstood God and misconceived God, the more that he um, lifted up and challenged their sacred cows the more they rebelled, the more they rejected his message, the more they wanted to chase him out of town because they didn't want to have anything to do with the message that he had for them. They were set in their ways. They had all the answers. They didn't need Paul telling them that God was doing and had done a new thing in and through Jesus. And so, the more stubborn they became, the more upset Paul came. And I, I am convinced that Paul, he, he just finally, he just blew up and he had had it. He had had it. The I am done with you is like Fine, you all can just go do whatever you want to do, and whatever you get, you deserve it, and I don't care. Have it your own way. Go ahead. I think I said that to my children once or twice, didn't we? Um, but you get so frustrated uh, because you can't get through. And so um, he, he says, I'm just fine, I'm just going to go somewhere else. I'm going to go out here and I'm going to share the news with the Gentiles. Now here's what I think though, is Paul is saying this. I don't think Paul is really thinking, I'm going to leave the synagogue, I'm going to go out here, I'm going to share the good news with the Gentiles. All the Gentiles are going to come and follow Jesus and everything's going to be well. You know why he didn't think that? That hadn't been his experience, right? I mean, I'm thinking Paul is probably thinking in his head, here we go again. Here we go again. I I've shared the good news with the, uh, the Jewish folks in the synagogue, and they rejected me, and I'm going to go to the Gentiles, but I know what's going to happen. I know exactly what's going to happen. They'll listen to me for a while. They'll humor me. Um, but when it all comes down to it and, and, uh, and opposition arises, they'll abandon the message. And once again, I'm going to be beaten. Or I'm going to be thrown in prison. Or maybe this time, they might even kill me. Now, that's not a picture of Paul that we often think of, is it? 
We, we like to read this story and we like to just think, well, uh, Paul was just unaffected by all of this. But see, he wasn't. And we know that. You know why we know that? Because we keep reading this passage and this scripture here. And we get to verse 9 and 10. Um, and this is what we read. One night, the Lord said to Paul in a vision, Don't be afraid. Continue speaking. Don't be silent. I'm with you, and no one who attacks you will harm you, for I have many people in the city. Now, I don't think God said that for any other reason other than Paul needed to hear that. And so to me, that's just a clear indication that Paul was clearly discouraged and frustrated. But here's the thing we can learn from this. Yes, as Paul is, is, is discouraged and he's frustrating, frustrated, and we hear in this passage uh, that he has this vision, he hears from God. Now, why do you think he hears from God? I don't think he heard from God because he was still running around ranting and raving and being busy. I think he heard from God because even in the midst of discouragement, he was taking time to create space so he could hear from God. Yes? Now, I don't know about you all, but when I am in a funk, as I call it, uh, Deb may call it something else, but, but when I'm in a, a, a funk, when I'm frustrated and when I'm discouraged, the most important thing that I can do is not to uh, just get mad and, and blow steam, although that happens every now and then, right? Um, but um, it is to stop and to take time and to realize I need to hear from God. And so in the midst of frustration and discouragement, rather than running away from God, what we need to do is run to God. We need to create more space and more time so that we can spend it with God and we can hear God speak to us. In times like this, the most important thing we can do is to create that space. And the more we feel frustrated and discouraged, the more space we need to create and provide for ourselves. I am convinced if Paul had not done that, Paul would not have heard this message from God. And I'd like to believe that the friends that were surrounding him were there to help him with that also to remind him that he needed to connect with God in the midst of his discouragement and his frustration. And so God speaks to him. And he says, do not be afraid. Do not be fearful. Yes, there's chaos all around you. And yes, you have experienced this. And yes, you might experience it in the future. But do not be afraid. Keep speaking. Do not be silent. Remember, I called you on the road to Damascus with this message that the, the Messiah, the Christ, has come. God's kingdom has come near. God is doing a new thing among all people. 
God is seeking to restore and to redeem all people to Himself. So that they might not just believe with their heads, but so they might begin to walk in the way of Jesus. And so he wanted to remind Paul of the importance of the message and the mission that he had given him, that he shouldn't be afraid, that he should continue to speak out and not not be silent. And then he also says, he says, "Those, those who attack you will not harm you. Now, I don't know if I'm Paul, I would have said, can we negotiate that? Can we just not have them attack me at all? But God says, those who attack you will not harm you. And then God gives him the most important reminder of all. I am with you. I am with you. Despite the troubles, despite the circumstances, I have not abandoned you, and I will not abandon you. I am with you. You you cannot get away from my presence. Wherever you go, there I will be with you. I am with you. Hear that message today. Hear God speaking that in the midst of circumstances this day. Paul heard that message Paul heard, do not fear, keep speaking, do not be silent, share this important news. Know that I will protect you from harm, not necessarily difficulties, and I will be with you. And in fact, if we continue in the story, um, we, we are told um, soon after this uh, vision that he has, um, we're told that um, Gal- Galileo, the governor of the province, that the Jews, united in their opposition against Paul, um, once again, uh, like has happened in other places, they bring charges against Paul, saying he's teaching this new religion. Now, can you imagine what's going on in Paul's head? Okay, I've had this vision. Okay, I need to trust God. Uh, Paul starts to speak. I'm sure ready to go into the defense that he's had before he even speaks. The governor says to the Jewish folks who are bringing this against him, he basically says, um, it sounds like an internal squabble in your own church, your own synagogue. Don't bring this to the civil courts. It has nothing to do with us. I don't care. Now, we think that's a small thing. But in essence, what the governor did is he basically said this this. The way, this following Jesus, it's just part of the Jewish religion. You know what that means? That means they have protection like the Jewish people did. They didn't have to worry that the civil government would uh, persecute them because they were now an approved religion. They weren't something new. And in essence, he opened up this door, so Paul stays in Corinth for 18 months, and Christianity thrives in the city of Corinth. It thrives in the city of Corinth. But you see, 
They only got to that point because Paul continued to persevere through his discouragement and through his frustration. When he reached that point, when he reached that point, he enjoyed a community of old friends and new friends who gathered around him. He took time to create space and a place to hear and to spend time with God. And then when God spoke to him and said, do not be afraid, continue to speak, do not be silent, I am with you, he continued to do that for which he had been called. And God was faithful to his word. Paul was not harmed in Corinth. God was with him throughout the whole time. And the church grew and thrived. Hear this message today. No matter how discouraged or frustrated you might be, God is with you. God will be with you in all circumstances and will not abandon you. You do not need to be afraid. Take time to listen and to respond and to do as God directs you to do. And the Word of God will grow and spread and more and more people will come to know Christ and the way of Christ will advance in the world. Amen.